Father, thank you so much for just um, what a mercy and what a grace it is that we can be together. And God, that we can have your ear and that you would listen. And Jesus, because you have done everything possible on our behalf, we can approach the throne with confidence. And God, the confidence we have this morning is just sons and daughters. And so, Father, we come to you needy, dependent, sad, and hurting and confused and bewildered, tired and exhausted. But, Lord, we come to you. You're the only one we can come to. And so we're just grateful. And thank you that your presence is here among us, that in times like these, God, you're not surprised. In times like these, you're not taken aback. You don't run away from the messiness of humanity. Yeah, God, you, you come to us. You're, you're near and you're present. And God, for bonus, you give us one another to where we can be near and present. And so, God, I am just so grateful for Grace Point Church. I'm so grateful for my brothers and sisters. I'm so grateful for this family. And so, God, in this time now, we pray that you are honored and loved and adored and worshiped and trusted. We ask that you would help us through your word, by your spirit, and with the people. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you're, <clears throat> if you're a guest with us this morning, you're probably like, wait, what's, this is weird. Um, we, we lost a pastor. I don't know if you've watched the news, but we've lost a pastor last Friday. He was murdered. Um, and so we're, it's, this has just been, I mean, this has been very hard and difficult for us all. Because um, I, I know as a guest, you may be saying, well, hey, this is my New Year's resolution is to go to church and get a pick-me-up for my sad life. Um, I, I can't imagine a better time than to be a part of a church right now and, and, to, and to be with the family of God, understanding what it means to be at the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And so I just want you to feel welcomed here. Uh, I had planned out this six-week series leading up to Lent. We're going to do all these things, and we've just, we've just shut everything down. And we're just going to go week to week, probably until Lent, and just kind of be together as a family and, and try to work through this. I know for some of us, when it comes to grieving and sadness and mourning, we want to get out of it as quick as we can. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's helpful. I don't know if that's proper. We don't want to sit in it forever. Uh, but I think we should go through it together. A lot of people have been asking, um, what's the status of everything right now? How, how's the family doing? Um, Sarah and the kiddos are doing as expected. Um, Sarah's a very strong woman, very strong woman, very strong in her faith in the Lord, and, and, and lots of people around them and the children, and so they're, they're, they're right on time and appropriate places and um, making the plannings and all that and taking it moment by moment and day by day. Uh, I, I will say she feels the love from Grace Point Church 
and just, um, just knows that she is so loved and so cared for and being taken care of as well. Um, I know there's been a GoFundMe started up. If you want to give to that, it's somewhere online. But uh, Nick, Nick has done such a wonderful job um, caring for her uh, post this situation. So she's doing well uh, through that as well. Um, some people have said, that, hey, I want to give flowers. Uh, and Sarah said, instead of flowers, um, just donate to the Give Foundation. I think Carlos and Myra have set something up on that as well. You can go check out all that stuff. Um, the memorial will be on the 15th at 1 p.m. here. Uh, we're going to have it here, and it's also going to be in the Family Center as well. We're going to stream it over there because we know it's just going to be jam-packed, standing room only at both buildings. And so we would love for you to come out and, and be a part of that. Uh, some people have been asking, um, how, are the, how are we doing? How are the staff and the elders, staff team and elders doing here? Um, and, and here's my answer. Sad. Just crappy. I don't know if that's a better word for that. Just We, we just, you know, I mean... We feel like you feel, just horrible and still in a bit of shock and dismay and waiting for um, Nick to walk in the door, you know, and, but like, it just, it just sucks. I don't, I'm so sorry. I don't know what else to say, it, um, but we're just, you know, one foot in front of the other and, and, and we're really together and we're really, we, I, I will say this, you, the church I know like there's a lot of pastor speak that pastors are supposed to say things. Uh, time for pastor speak is over. I mean this genuinely and, and on behalf of the staff and the elders. Grace Point Church has been just, you guys are the best, just loving us. And we, we, we feel carried along by the prayers of the people here uh, and lifted up to the Lord. And so just really thankful um, for that. But yeah, we just... We're just, you know, just trying to put one foot in front of the other and just, just keep, keep moving forward, but grieving along the way. Um, this, this morning, here's what I want to do with my time, um, which will be an abbreviated time. But I, I selected a text. I, I want together as a family uh, to walk through the text, um, and and then we're we're going to pray together. And from from Matt Butler a long time ago, we, we had this word we talk about a lot here in our gathering, and it's the word liturgy. And, and liturgy doesn't, doesn't mean just the order of the gathering or the order of the service, like what we do and then what we do and then what we do. Uh, liturgy actually means the work of the people. And so today, after we talk through the scriptures, uh, I, I'm going to ask us kind of to pull together and family groups, friend groups, or just whatever, and just and, and literally all of us pray together. Um, through this situation, because I don't know what else to do. I don't have, hey, here's three steps to making this all, but I, I got nothing. Um, but let's seek the Lord together. And then uh, as a family, we'll go to the Lord's table. So if you got your Bible, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. That's where we're going to be, 1 Peter 5. I'm going to put a cough drop in, so we'll see how that goes. Let's just kind of slowly walk through it, set, it, uh, set in it a bit, let it, let it inform us, let it guide us, let it direct us, let it comfort us, let it remind us, and let it, let it draw us near to the Lord and to, and to one another. And, and I was thinking through this text and I thought, you know, Peter wrote this and I'm like, I, I feel like, like that's appropriate because he is the in my this is just my opinion he, he's so human 
right? Like P- Peter like said some of the greatest things ever and then some of the dumbest things ever. And it just it has such, I mean, the whole Bible, but it just has so, such a realness and a humanity to it for me. So 1 Peter 5, I'll start in verse 6, and we'll just, like I said, we're just going to slowly walk through it. Begins by humble yourself, which is interesting. Notice that it doesn't say that the Lord is going to humble you. It tells you and me that we are to, to humble ourselves. To humble ourselves. Well, how do, how do we humble ourselves? What, is, what does it look like to, to be hu- to, to humbling of self? It says, well, humble yourself, therefore, <clears throat> under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. So don't think too highly of self. Don't think too highly of situations in life. But to humble ourselves under the hand of God. What, is, what does that mean? It means this, simply. To voluntarily, intentionally place yourself under the authority of God. And that's not just under the authority of God on Sunday mornings. But that is in all of life, all in thought, all in action, like in all of life, that we are to place ourselves under the hand of God. Why? Why? I, I want to say, say this, because when we place ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that is the safest place in the world. But it's really not, is it? But it is the most secure place. Because although things may happen to us in this life, if we're under the hand of God, under his authority, trusting in him, he has us for all time. And so it is okay to say it is the safest, safest place in the world is under the hand of God. And then he says, and he will exalt you at the right time, meaning like, like he's got a plan. And, and the plan of exalting, I think, in light of the context of the, the text that Peter's talking about there, doesn't necessarily mean this this life. Potentially means, I believe, the, the the next life. But he starts off with humble. Under God. You know, when we go through situations like that, if we're not careful, we as humans, we put God, we kind of put God on trial. God, why, why didn't you protect. God, why didn't you show up? God, why didn't you stop? God, why didn't... And, and we want to put ourselves in the place of not asking God questions. It's okay to ask God, God questions, but investigating God like, why did you? I think it's proper in light of our situation here of like, no, let's be humble. Let's trust the Lord in this. Let's submit to him. He's got a plan that, that, that far exceeds our you know, thoughts or intentions or wishes. Verse 7. It says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Um, I, um, I, I'm from the country, but I am like the most non-country person ever. Uh, it, so much so, I, I, I don't fish, I don't hunt, 
I just, I don't do, those are just not my natural things. And so I can't speak a lot into fishing. Um, but if we know Peter's situation, who wrote this, Peter was a fisherman. And so um, when he says cast, it makes me think of what? Fishing, like a net. And so um, when you cast a net, you, you don't just kind of like, you know, just kind of lob it out there. Uh, I've watched enough television to where when someone casts a net, they're grabbing it with two hands and almost a running start and heaving it. I think that's intentional in the text. That he, he is saying with all that you have, heave everything you have on God, especially in these situations. Because I've got anxieties through this. And if I've got anxieties through this, you've got anxieties through this. Am I right? There's worry. There's fear. There's an unsettledness. There's confusion. All of that is present. And so what do I do with all of this? And our Bibles are telling us right here, yeah, take that, which is natural and normal. Don't feel bad for having it. Take every bit of it, grab it with both hands, and heave it. Cast it. Cast it upon the Lord. Because the alternative is keeping it to yourself. How's that working for us? All that worry about what about this and what, if that could, here's the thing, here's the thing. If that can happen to him, like the nicest guy in the world, am I right? You guys know Nick Davey. Like the peacemaker, the calmer. If that can happen to him, that can happen to me. And so if we keep that to ourselves and we worry and worry, worry, I've always heard that worry is anti-faith. Worry is like praying to yourself. But our text is telling us right here, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's normal. It's natural as a human to feel that way and think those ways. But there, there's a step beyond that. And it's to heave it upon the Lord. Why? The text says right there, because he cares. Notice the text doesn't say he cares about us. The text is individual. He cares for you. Can, can you sit in that for one second? Because, well, as Christians in a church say, God cares about us. No, no. He cares about, he cares about you, your life, your situation, what you're going through, your thoughts. He, he cares about you. No one cares more about you than Jesus. He cares. I mean, think through Jesus' care for us and for you, for me. That he's all-knowing, and he knew you before the foundation of the world, the Bible says in Ephesians, right? And so he knew you before you were born, says that in Psalms, right? He knew when you were born, he knew you up to this day, and he knew, knows you all the way after that. So it's pr pretty safe to say he knows you intimately, am I right? He knows all the good about you, and he knows all the bad about you. And yet he cares so much for you and so much for me. Willingly, he leaves heaven, comes here 2,000 years ago, takes on flesh, becomes one of us, tempted in every way that we were and are, and yet no sin whatsoever, innocently goes to a cross, dies in our place as a sacrifice, dead in the ground for three days, resurrects, walks around for 40 days, ascends to the right hand of the Father, will come back and rule and reign. How much more could someone care for you? Just so you could be adopted. 
just so you could be a son or daughter, just so we could be brothers and sisters, just so you can have life and life to the fullest now, but really, really later. No one cares for you more than Jesus. And so if he is the most caring person for you in this world in eternity, when he says, cast your cares on me, give me your anxieties, give me your worries, give me your fears, believe it. Believe it. Verse 8. Let me back up. It says the word anxiety. You ever been around an anxious person? Let me try it. You ever been around me? <laughs> Nick Davy had this thing about him. He had a non-anxious presence. You ever been around him before? And like your life has fallen apart. And like he's got so much going on in his life. Uh, if you know Nick Davey, he, he always carried around a, a yellow legal pad. And he kept lists. I mean, he wrote down everything. And so he always had things to do. But if you had something going on in your life and you were really stirred and a worry and fear and all that, and you talked to Nick, like he would stop whatever he's doing and come to you with his non-anxious presence. You know where he got that from? Jesus. You ever read the Gospels? People come to Jesus with like all these illnesses and death and all kinds of stuff going on. And, and, and it looks to me from the text, from the Gospels, that Jesus never was like, oh my God. I mean, like he was just like, or oh my me, or whatever. Like he was just like, he, just, he was just so, I'm sorry. He was just so paced and measured and present. He was just so present. Non-anxious presence. Man, that was Nick Davy. Verse 8. Um, it says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Be sober-minded and watchful. This idea of just being aware of reality. Uh, aware and alert of what's around you and of, of the realness of life. I, I don't know about you guys, but this has been a sobering reality for me. All the things that I think are important and all the things I think matter and all the things that make me mad and all the things I want to rally against and all that, you know how much I've thought about those lately? None. You know what's mattered to me more now than ever? The people around me. Because, I mean, honestly, it, it, it's a sober-minded thought to think, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what later on this evening is going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know what's going to happen to the loved ones around. I just don't know. And so whatever I do, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm focused on the, the realness of reality around me and sober-minded about it and the people next to me. Um, I feel like I've said I love you just on repeat here lately because I don't know if that's the last time I'm going to see you. I'll tell Angie. Um, Angie and I had this conversation, Angie, my wife, 
We had this conversation uh, last night in the bedroom, so that really, that's my wife. Um, <laughs> and she, we were talking about just like this, just the sober reality of what's going on. And she looked at me, God bless her, and she says, I don't think you and I will ever argue again. I was like, can I get that recorded? Because <laughs> you can think about it, it's just like tri- trivial things. It's like, it just doesn't matter. Over this past week, I've just, um, I've just been so close to Tim and Kate Fraser, Tim, Pastor Tim. The big, tall, beautiful man with that beautiful <laughs> And it's like, I just can't leave his side. And like, we have looked at each other and we, we just keep looking and like, I love you. And it's like, I love you. And it's like, I took him home the other day and I was like, I, you know, he got out of the car and was going, I was like, I love you. I love you. I was like, man, just, just be careful. He's like, you be careful. It's like, man, just, you just, you just don't know. I mean, the, our Bibles say things that, like, life is just a mist. Like, you see it, and it's gone. It's like the grass of the field is here today and gone, gone tomorrow. You, you don't, and so I just want to encourage you of, like, be sober-minded about that of, like, here's my loved one. Here's my family. Here, here are my friends, and just say, I love you. Just, just tell them it over and over, and, like, I want, and, like, all these other things that we're doing are just not important. You're important, because you don't know. You just don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. I want it to cause a fear inside of us that we don't know what tomorrow holds because we know the one who holds tomorrow. But I don't want to take this for granted. Verse 8 again. Um, Peter writes, your adversary, meaning... Christian, you have an enemy. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the, the world. Um, we have an enemy. Know this. Um, he's defeated. He doesn't win in the end. Like, it, like his, his time is coming. Their time is coming. It's a re- real present evil in the world today, for sure. Even in light of this situation, I think this was an evil one's scheme against his people, for sure. Uh, you ever read the Gospels? Ever read the Gospels and notice, like... Um, when Jesus would be there and there'd be like some kind of demonic forces or some kind of like uh, oppression or possession or something like that, and Jesus would speak to the demons. You ever read like the Gospels and see all that? And every, almost every time you see the demons uh, say something about time. You ever notice that? Why? It's because they knew their time was limited. There's a bit of free reign. I think God holds it together a bit, but there's, there's evil... But they know that, that, that time's coming to an end. To where evil will be no more. The enemy will be no more. Devil, demons, all, no more. It's that, that time's coming. 
So just keep that in mind. Like it, you know, it may look like the enemy's winning, but uh, you know, the answers are in the back of the book. We realize he's not. We realize they won't. But you know, one of the things he does is the worst. I think it might be mindful for us in light of this situation is that the evil one, uh, Jesus said he's the father of lies. He's the great accuser of the brothers and sisters. Uh, I said his native language, like his, his, his hometown language is lies. And, and his role is to come and deceive and to tempt and to accuse and to twist the truth. We see that from the Garden of Eden and to steal, kill, and destroy. And so during this season, he's going to lie and say things like this to you, Christian. You see what happened to Nick? He trusted God, and look, at, look what happened to him. God must not be good. God, God must not be faithful. God must not keep his promises. These are lies. And so what do we do with lies? Well, the greatest thing you can do with lies is go back to the truth and the and God's word is the truth. And you can be reminded of the truth of, of God that never changes, that never becomes untruth. You can be reminded of Romans 8, 1, that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can remember eight, uh, Romans 8, 28, that God works all things for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. Like God's going to somehow work this to the good. You can remember 2 Corinthians 5, where it says that you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away, the new has come. You can be reminded of that section in Hebrews where Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The last part of that text in Peter, it says that, we, that we're suffering, that we're suffering for a little while. And I've, I've said this a thousand times, that little while and the, in the, in the grand scheme of eternity is our life right now. That's how the Bible looks at our life. It says it's like a minute. And we are going to suffer for a little while. But there's glory to come. And, and we're not suffering alone. It says, uh, it says right there in the text, Sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You're not suffering alone. It's what the enemy wants you to do. Many of us were like, well, you know, I can't put this burden on anyone else. They're sad too. That's where you're supposed to put it. You've, you've watched enough Animal Planet. You know the lion wants to get the gazelle off alone. Why? So it can devour it. This is the time to pull together. This is the time that we, we need. We need one another. And so don't go about this alone. He wants to pick us off. This text has such an eternal, eternal picture to it. If you keep going at verse 10, it says, and after, after you've suffered a little while, there it is, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself. I, I love that. God doesn't send a surrogate. God doesn't send somebody. No, God himself is the one that will restore you. It is God who will restore you. It says he will restore you, 
confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Yeah, we will suffer for a little while. But, but it is God himself that's going to renew us, redeem us. That's the, that's the eternal view. You know, I, I sit and think about Nick right now being present with the Lord. And like, I just know for some of us, we just, we just already miss Nick and long for him. And we think about like, you know, if, you know when we die, which we all will, when we die, like, man, I cannot wait to get to heaven and just pull, you know, push and suck us out of the way. Like, Charles Spurgeon, no, Billy Graham, get out. You know, Heisman Trophy, Luther, I want to go see Nick. I just want to see him. And that's, that's a prize. It, it's a gift. And as good as Nick was, he's not the major, major prize. We'll be there with Jesus. That's the prize. That's the hope. Christian, could you imagine going through something like this without Jesus? No resurrection? We should be of most pitied. Could you imagine going through this without one another? I like, there's just no way. I just, no, can't do it. But we have, we have Jesus. If we have Jesus, we have hope. Death is not final. It may feel that way now. There's life beyond death. It's the vehicle that transports us to Jesus. And so we can, we can grieve and we can be sad, but we have hope. And we have one another. Um. I want to pray together. And so I'm going to ask you to do something really uncomfortable. I don't want this. I want us to feel like a family. Um, and and I, I want us to do this in a way that is the work of the people. And we have work to do. And that's to lift one another up in prayer. And so I've got three movements in a prayer I want to lead us in. And so if you feel comfortable, kind of circle around some people people you brought with us, meet somebody new. Hey, if you're here today and you say, I'm not a Christian and I don't pray and I don't feel comfortable with that at all, if they look at you, just do the fonds. And that way they'll know like, oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. And they'll you know, just do the fonds. They'll know. But if you would, just kind of circle around some people. And what I'm going to do, I want three movements of prayer. I'll start and then I'll cue you of like, hey, it's a time to pray. And I mean like, like pray in a low voice out loud with one another and take turns and you know put somebody on the spot or whatever it is. And some of you are like, hey, this is awkward. And you know, I thought the people on the stage do all the praying. Nope. 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 I think the first thing that would be helpful for us to pray is to cast our anxieties upon the Lord because He cares. And so I'll lead us in a prayer, but we're just like, right where you sit, like, hey, in light of this situation, here's my fears, here's my worries, here's how I'm feeling, here's my anxieties. Together as a family, let's just hand those over to the Lord. Okay. You guys can bow and I'll lead us in it and I'm gonna, I'll hand it off to you. God, we trust you 
And to trust you is to trust your word. And your word instructs us, not necessarily in command, but in how we're designed. That we're designed to not carry this life on our own, but to share the burdens with one another and to cast our anxieties upon you because you've told us that, that you, you care. And so, God, right now, as your people, we come to you, and we just want to cast our cares upon you. And so, Lord, would you hear the prayers of your people? Now, this is the opportunity for us together to pray.
God, we, God, we thank you that we can cast our cares upon you. We're thankful that you're powerful to do something with it and loving to care. And so, thank you for hearing our prayers. And God, our, your word says today that we do have an adversary. There is an enemy. And he, he wants to be disruptive. He wants to deform our lives. He, he wants us uh, to disbelieve you. And so, God, we're, we pray against him. It seems like um, at this little church here that he's, he's targeted or over this season just seemed like a lot of activity. And so, God, we, we're going to pray for pastors and staff and families. We're going to pray for every bro- just the brothers and sisters here in our community. We just pray against him and pray the protection for his people here, for, for your people here. And so if you would, where you're at right now, just, just pray against the enemy and just pray for the pastors and staff and the families here and just pray for yourselves and um, just your families as well that the Lord would hold him back and the Lord would protect and the Lord would just return. How about that? So let's pray.
And Father, would you give us some reprieve from the schemes of the enemy? Would you, would, would you give us some rest? Jesus, would you just return? Thank you for hearing our prayers. And lastly, Lord, we just we want to pray prayers of love to you, prayers of thanks to you. We, we adore you, we desire you, we love you, and we trust you. So briefly, just where you're at, just pray just to thank God and express love and words to God and devotion and desires for him. Take that time now. Oh, Lord, we love you, and we trust you, and we worship you. God, guide us. May the eyes of God look before us, the ears of God hear us, the word of God speak for us. May the hand of God protect us, the way of God lie before us, the shield of God defend us, the host of God save us. May Christ shield us today. Christ with us, Christ before us, Christ behind us, Christ in us, Christ beneath us, Christ above us, Christ on our right, Christ on our left, Christ when we lie down, Christ when we sit, Christ when we stand, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of us, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of us, Christ in every eye that sees us, Christ in every ear that hears us. Amen.